let me let you guys in on a little secret. One of my biggest fears as a single black woman is that someone would potentially not want to date me simply because of my race. Trust me, like I'm sure all of us, I mean, I got things that people would be like, nah, I'm good. But race? Really? Well, I sat down with my friend Sam Chang and we talked all about matchmaking and the elephant of race. Sam, you've just been like really faithful to have conversations with me. And so to see that kind of spill over into um, other parts of your life has positively affected me. So I'm excited about what we're talking about, but I'm ex um, extremely excited about being able to have this conversation with you specifically. So uh, I'll kind of, I guess, have us jump right in. The conversation came out of a blog post that Sam wrote. Uh, I think it's really interesting. The title is Matchmaking, but if you look deeper and you you kind of pull up the layers, you see that there is a conversation about race and racism and prejudice and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that that is just really speaks to life. A lot of our conversations uh, are just life interactions on the surface you know, they're just regular, but then we see how we are constantly dealing with race. We're constantly confronted with race, especially when you think of, uh, I, I've not been to Canada, but from what I know of Canada, similar to the U.S. is that there are people from all different racial backgrounds. And when you are in a context like that, um, race is something that comes up even when it doesn't come up. So I kind of want to start with just having you give a synopsis of the situation that led to the blog post and us kind of moving from there. For sure, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so I think in light of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, I, I started seeing Asian Americans use the hashtag Asians for Black Lives. And I think I started thinking, you know, just because I'm Canadian or maybe not even one of the predominant uh, groups of people so I mean it's like it seems like it's very uh black brown and and white um but I was like I still have a responsibility a as a believer to I think know what's going on so that I can uh, a understand my black and brown church fellow members and also if I know what's going on then I can better support love be a be a friend and I think, yeah, I was thinking just because I'm not necessarily in the narrative, I still have a responsibility as um, an Asian person to to know where I stand and, and have a voice in this. So I think in light of those things, I started thinking, okay, what does it mean then for me to be involved? Like, what does it mean for me to address not even just, uh, yeah, not even just specifically maybe what I see in terms of like, white versus brown and black but just for in my Asian community so that's what I think sparked me to do some self-reflection and uh, and that's what led to the post itself. Um, so I'm going to read an excerpt from the blog post and yeah just kind of have us 
uh, dive in from there. So you wrote, all Christians dedicated to loving, following, and obeying the Lord do so imperfectly, and there is grace for that. We excitedly await to be perfect, perfectly sanctified when the Lord Jesus returns, and until then we do our best and praise God for his forgiveness of sins past, present, and future. Yet, when we notice blind spots and areas of growth in our local churches, it is right to address them, especially if there is sin. Um, and then I defined, uh, went to get the definition of blind spot just to further help. And it's an area in which a person lacks understanding or impartiality. And one of the reasons why this specific uh, excerpt I pulled out is because I feel like this time around, this has been, this kind of sums up a lot of what the conversation has been is that like, in our churches, though, like this is, um, it is right to address, you know, these things that happen. Um, and just wanting, really wanting the church to speak to, speak to the whole of, of the dignity of like human beings. And, and I feel like there, there have been a lot of conversations that are, again, specifically this time around, understanding like the kind of factions that maybe we, whether intentionally or not, break off into. So I don't know if you've, you've heard of it, but in the U.S. there's like this, um, this understanding of like, oh, on Sundays, the most segregated time is like, you know, church Sunday, um, Sunday morning, you have your white church and your black church and so on and so forth. And so I appreciated this excerpt from the post because it spoke to the fact that this is all of our problem. Because in Christ, we are one without making it seem like um, a color blindness. And so, yeah, maybe just having you elaborate on that. Mm. I, I think it was a, one of my mentors, I think he likes to use this word blind spot because, because I think it balances, which I wanted to do, I think, in the entire piece. I wanted to balance addressing difficult and hard things and not making any excuses for sin and yet at the same time because we're believers I think we have to learn from the Lord and be gracious to each other so I think the word blind spot is helpful because I think it gives room for that but yeah definitely and then I think if we use that for in in teaching people maybe that's also easier for them to uh to process because then it is still, it can be like a, a, a rebuke or an exhortation. And yet at the same time, there's like, oh, but there's room for growth and we all want to be growing. So I think that's why I used that. Yeah. Yeah. I, we have a tendency, even myself, unfortunately, to when something negative is said or experienced, you just want to throw people away. And so as believers, we just don't have that right. You know, whether we want to or not, no matter how egregious whatever is, we just do not have that right. And so I found myself convicted and just kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, when you know truth, but you you hear it and you're just like, oh my goodness. Um, in this, um, I, I, yeah, I believe it is this excerpt. Um, Yes. Okay. So it says racism towards other ethnicities doesn't always manifest a certain way. It doesn't have to lead to genocides like in Rwanda or the Ottoman Empire. Instead, it could be a subtle discrimination like the change in requirements this church auntie had for her son's future wife. 
um, and God's design is creating different shades of skin color and an intention, intentional aesthetic decision to celebrate in the church. So for those that are not familiar with the blog post, the reference to the church auntie, if you could kind of explain that. So I was, I think I was at a lunch and there was a, we had a big group and a church auntie after lunch or mid lunch, I think kind of pulled me aside and, and asked me in a very joking way. She's, she's a very easygoing lady. And she's like, Hey, you know, my son, he's getting older and he needs a girlfriend. So I was hoping that maybe you have some single friends to set him up with. Uh, I would just prefer if she were Chinese and not black or brown. And so at that moment, I, yeah, I didn't know what to say, but she, I think she further elaborated because I think she saw I was hesitant and I didn't know what to say. And she said, well, you know, it's, if someone's Chinese, then I can communicate with them easier because of the language barrier. And then also she'll understand like this future daughter-in-law would understand our, our, our cultural things and be able to celebrate these things in the family. And so I was like, all right, all right. And well, a couple years, maybe like a year later, I was even surprised that she had brought it up because I didn't, I kind of thought it was a comment that she made in passing, but she pulled me aside again. And again, it was a big group of people there. Um, but she's like, hey, so any updates on this, this girlfriend thing? And I was like, nah, like I've been looking, but nah. And she's like, you know, honestly, he's just getting older. It doesn't matter. She can be black or brown. She doesn't have to be Chinese. Like, it's it's okay. And so again, I didn't say anything to her at that time. And and in light of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and considering what my responsibility is as a believer, as well as just like another human being, what is my responsibility in helping people see blind spots, I, I suppose. Yeah. So I think one of the things that um, if I can say is, is really cool about the situation is I feel like it is a very universal situation um, that if we're honest with ourselves, we can all put ourselves in a space where we've been in that situation. You know, maybe, you know, you swap out black and brown for something else, but we've all had someone. And honestly, it's not always, you know, those that are older than us. It can be peers. Again, just another reason why I appreciated this article because even or this blog post because even the scenario that all of this is kind of this is the foundation for everything else that follows is a very universal scenario that kind of brings us all down to like all right let's come to the same level you know of um we can all hurt in the same way that we've been hurt and so we value sameness like just individuals all cultures we value sameness um and I'm sure some of that is just like it's easier you know like you can kind of uh I know as a black girl I'll have conversations with my black girlfriends like man a black guy would just understand my bonnet you know he would just understand that I'm throwing on a bonnet at night but in the grand scheme of things like you know I'm sure there are plenty other men that would be willing to understand that even if that is not their um you know what they've been uh what they've grown up with and then I think of 
culture and cultures and some cultures that are maybe stronger than others, there is the sameness may mean that my culture will be valued in a way that maybe it's hard to believe, though not impossible, that someone else can come into your culture and value it just as much. And so what are your thoughts on sameness, maybe that you've even seen in your own spaces of why, because I can speak from my um, point of view on why sameness would be like, oh, let's cling close to this. But yeah, what about yourself? I think interestingly, the generation, so the an older generation than ours, I think even if they're immigrant families, I think that they think, though I've never maybe heard someone, actually, no, I have, I've heard people say kind of explicitly, they, I think a neutral way to look at it is they're very proud of the fact that they're Chinese. Um, but then like the sinful way of looking at it is that I think there's a superiority to thinking that someone is Chinese or oneself is Chinese. So I've seen, I heard, I've heard of lots of Chinese, most, I don't necessarily hear peers say comments like that, but definitely the generation above me would say, they're just very proud of the fact that China has been around for a long time. And maybe it's like a sense of nationalism also because uh, China is, you know, a communist country. So maybe there's that just like that pride of, we're Chinese and we've got to figure it out. So let's not mix the blood and keep it within ourselves kind of thing. So I think there's a bit of that in it um, as to why sameness is very valued. Because I think, it, you know, the, the movie Crazy Rich Asians, like that was the thing that the the guy's mom didn't like. He, even the fact that his girlfriend was American and Asian kind of she just didn't like the fact that she was different she's not actually truly uh, Chinese worst thing or yeah so I think there's a lot of there's some of that and maybe within our generation maybe people think it's yeah because some of my friends uh, have spouses of, that are from different ethnicities but I would say a majority of them have married like my Chinese friends have married Chinese people so maybe it's easy to get attracted to someone that looks similar to you no I mean I from from my perspective I would kind of agree that yeah I think it's like yeah I just want to like you're usually you're in your community nine times out of ten even even in if you're in a diverse community you right. your closest people that you usually grow alongside with are your community and so I guess some of it is by osmosis um, but then even hearing like nationalism, I was actually listening to a sermon a few days ago, is that like nationalism in itself is a sin because it becomes an idol. I feel like, again, it's a, it's a moment of putting us all on the same level of whether it is, you know, nationalism to China, nationalism to the U.S., um, any other country you want to fill it in with, it is, it leads itself to a superiority that the Bible does not affirm. The question was about sameness. And then as I'm talking to you, I'm like, the sameness of like, oh, I want to be with people that are like me kind of just reveals the sameness of like, we need Jesus. <laughs> like just, just all of us, you know, like regardless of if, you know, you grew up on the other side of the world or not, like just the human condition is the same. So yeah, so you were mentioning in that excerpt that I wrote that like God's design in creating different shades of skin color is an intentional aesthetic decision to celebrate the church. So that again, 
was simply beautiful because I, I think maybe subconsciously, way, way subconsciously, um, and that's, you know, kind of being super generous. Um, we know that, but we don't always acknowledge that, like, it is not a mistake that the Lord made me a black woman and he made you a Chinese woman, that he put you in the context of Canada, put me in the context of America. Like these, um, though sometimes as human beings, we have to fight against, you know, our nationalism or our um, so on and so forth. It is that does not take away from the intentionality of like the Lord making us who we are. And so I thought that that was a beautiful just affirmation of that. Um, and I was just uh, had wrote myself like I would even go a step further to say the cultural differences. You know, like there is there is specific culture to your Chineseness and the same specific culture to my blackness um, that is beautiful. Um, obviously, as human beings, sometimes we stretch it out of context and make it something else, but it is at the heart of it, a beautiful thing. So the next uh, excerpt is, if you are raising kids by telling them to only marry someone who comes from the same aesthetic background and cultural, um, because it's a personal preference and not a biblical one, remember it is only that, a preference to potentially share um, if you have a clear conscience before the Lord and not a biblical requirement. And the reason why I specifically took this out, because I feel like I've been having a lot of conversations with friends, honestly, whether for, for my context, I'm talking about black guys or, or, or any other, just this idea of preference and realizing at the heart of it, my desires, whether they be good or just kind of like desires, they don't trump obedience. And obedience would be the things that the Lord has laid aside as like, this is important versus like but I want him to be six foot I want him to be you know this this color you know like and and I say that and it's hard like I'm not saying it as like I'm over here somebody four foot comes up to me and I'm like I'm cool with it like it's hard but like the fact of the matter is like we you don't get a pass on you don't have to be obedient today you know so yeah go on and and elaborate on that yeah I I I think I was writing that and I was I was very careful too because I was like, Sam, don't be a hypocrite because you have a lot of preferences too. Um, but, but, and I think that's why I also wrote, if you have a clear conscience before the Lord, I mean, if you have a clear conscience that you should find someone who's over X height, then maybe you should do it. But, but I think it, and, and that's silly because what the Bible makes clear for, for us in terms of finding someone to marry is find someone who loves the Lord, who loves God's word, loves to obey God. And so the fact that that wasn't even mentioned for the auntie, like it wasn't anything about, oh, it doesn't even matter if she's a Christian. Like it wasn't even in the conversation. It was just like, oh, her skin color. Yeah, it definitely. So I think I said there that it masked. So she used these neutral things, which is, they can be good things. Like I do, like we've talked about, there's, there's ease, there's uh, beauty maybe even in sharing and celebrating something that we understand it's just like easier if we understand each other because we've grown up in the same community yet at the same time she used those things to mask a pref um an unbiblical a sinful preference of skin color and so I wanted to make sure that I brought that out I was like we're talking about apples and oranges like it's not it wasn't even she didn't address what really mattered to her so unfortunately yeah yeah no that's good because we yeah I'm I'm just 
as we're going through just thinking of myself, like you said, like trying not to be hypocritical and like pointing fingers is like, oh man, um, I'm growing in it. You know, like the Lord is good to sanctify, but like how many times has that not been, you know, like his, his, what really matters, you know, his, his spirit, his soul has, have not even been on the table in the conversation. And so, um, then you ask the question of how can we wisely and winsomely fight against the sin of racism against other ethnicities within our predominantly Chinese local churches comprised of immigrants and second generation children. And so this is like super amazing. Obviously this is like, has nothing to do with me, but it makes me ask the question of what, what have been some of your responses to this blog post? Because I feel like this is kind of like the line that really illuminated who your audience was. And so I wonder how was it received? Have you had conversations from it? Um, What has that been like? Surprisingly, uh, a lot of I definitely had more most feedback from this piece than I than we have from previous ones and they were we had a lot of folks say it's so unfortunate that a lot of us know and have experienced and have been in situations where we've yeah been on this end where we hear people say these things and I I guess I was yeah I I was I wasn't shocked and I kind of was because I'm like but what so I wasn't the only one who had a conversation like this and yet I never been taught walked through like how to handle it so so at the same time it was like it was good because people were like yeah yeah I agree me too I've been in that and I'm like but what are we doing so yeah good and bad but good so overall it was good it just made me just made me kind of sad I think it sounds like kind of what you wanted from was like the now what like now what now that we're able to acknowledge um so in the midst of that I went away this weekend and had a conversation with a friend of mine and in lieu of, of, of this uh, excerpt that I just that I just read, it w- it went like there there have been murders, there have been you know deaths this summer, and so there was a um, a white woman that came up to her and was just like, hey, I'm just mourning and I'm really sorry, um, kind of like the condolences that you would give someone that has lost a family member um, or someone I should say very specific to them, and this friend is just amazingly wise. The Lord has blessed her with wisdom. And her response was, no, this is not just my loss. It is a loss to humanity. Because this, um, in the same way that if someone that looked like you died or was murdered, I would be broken up inside. That is how you and all of us should respond to a life being lost. And that was just so amazing because I think sometimes we just get so lost in the minutia of like, well, what did they do? What happened here? That we don't even take a breath to just mourn that there is a loss and understanding that in the word, we see several times where the Lord is just like, I made mankind, not, you know, white, Chinese, black. No, I made mankind in my image. And so when a life is taken in the same way if Cain was murdered and his blood cried out to the Lord. The Lord recognizes when when those made in his image, um, their lives are taken and that is serious to him. And so I think just that perspective of 
this is a loss for humanity. It is not just condolences for me. We should honestly be coming to each other and saying, hey, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling this way. How are you feeling? You know, like consoling one another. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to read, I should have pulled this up before. I wanted to read First uh, Corinthians. Because as I was talking about, this is kind of just like whether someone believes in God or not, you know, it is it is a loss. But also when I think of just the body specifically, the Lord has basically knit us together and our differences um, for a specific purpose. It is First Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. And so this is really just Paul talking about the body of Christ and just the need for all of us. Okay, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the body parts, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Um, And then the last verse 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so when I think of, again, going back to earlier when I was just saying, It's easy for us to want to throw people away, even in the Christian community, you know, like we are not above hurting, being hurt, so on and so forth, but just kind of seeing that we are all needed and and part of that that sharpening or part of that um, taking care of one another as an entire body is this, this conversation that sometimes may look like confrontation, that sometimes may look like rebuke, that sometimes may look like... um, hey, let's take it back to what the word says because we live in the world. So it's easy sometimes to live in this and be inundated um, and forget that we are supposed to be in it, but not of it. Yeah, I think that's, there was a part in the piece that I had mentioned, like in, in lieu of the blind spot thing, it's like, what if someone, you're like, okay, yes, it's wrong that she said that. But what if she really doesn't understand? What if this auntie really doesn't understand what it means? Like, what if her doctrine of the church is really, really poor? What if she just thinks her church community is the people she's hanging with right now? Or if it's just within her her local church? Well, like, that's a part of it, auntie. But what the the church is way beyond that. And so, yeah, I think I was thinking... Maybe she really doesn't understand that. And so that's not something that that's something she needs to grow in. And so it would be, yeah, like you said, take a step back. What is she missing? Because if I was, yeah, because I think if I said, oh, that's like really wrong. Don't you understand that? You're like, but she's never been taught that. So how would she know? So I think it's always like, yeah, you don't let it go because it's sin. But also where can I be gracious and, and allow for these blind spots? to be there yeah so specifically where you said that was um you have to choose your battles and may circle and may have or maybe circle back another time 
um, if someone is ignorant or immature in their understanding of the sin of racism, chances are they have other blind spots in their theology. You may have to work backwards and build up other doctrines before they can comprehend this, i.e. the doctrine of man. All human beings are made in the likeness and image of God. Um, and then you give the reference of Genesis 1, 20, um, 26 and 27 and 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine, um, And then the doctrine of the church, the people of God, um, is, com- is comprised of anyone who is a believer. And so you give the um, reference of Ephesians 3, 6 and Galatians 3, 26 through 28. Again, this was just super convicting for me because it was a call to be patient, which is something a lot of us struggle with. Um, and so what would you say brought you to that? Is it, is it was it maybe just having had many interactions where it's just like, ah, I know this is awkward. I know that this is not something that we talk about often. And so did that maybe make you slow, slower to, or even in writing this kind of to consider her in that way? Cause we don't always do that. Consider the people that have offended. Um, yeah. Like, did it go into culture? Cause you mentioned too, like she's an auntie, she's, she's um, an elder. What led you to like let me consider her and let me consider the not understanding potentially of of um, theology. I think I know that I'm an Enneagram one, which means I'm a very black and white person. I'm always like, oh, what's like the principle of the matter? So in that situation, the principle of the matter is that she said something that was sinful. But but I think because I know that I tend to just to compartmentalize right wrong like that like what's morally right what's morally wrong um i think i'm always trying to like i'm reminded of is it james one where it's like be slow to speak be slow to anger be quick to listen something like that and so i'm always telling myself to slow down and give myself some space to consider what my motives are in correcting someone am i just being self-righteous because, because then I would be a hypocrite because then I ended up sinning while telling her, hey, miss, like you're sinning. So yeah, try not to be a hypocrite knowing myself. And I think maybe when I, I was really humbled, I think when I went to seminary and I was learning all these different things, I was like, wow, really didn't know about this and really didn't know about that. So just knowing and being aware that I, I've, the Lord's given me opportunities to learn and he's given me really great teachers to give me space to learn and walk alongside me as I've learned. So I think that's probably affected how I speak to people. And like, in, especially in situations where I feel like someone's like really wrong. I'm like, well, like Sam, you've had an opportunity to learn. Maybe they haven't. And, and not to say everything that I've learned is right, but I think just to emulate the attitude of, giving someone space and letting there be growth maybe no that makes sense um yeah i i can say honestly as as a person of color as a as a black person i guess i should say um instead of trying to be politically correct um reading the so there's there is um the narrative portion of of your blog and then it kind of switches over to um 
and I'm I'm making these separations. Um, and then it kind of switches over to like um, this this excerpt, but then also kind of like if I had to do it again, and you um, describing that. And so there was a piece of it that was hard for me to take in again because it was just like, wait, but hold on, should I be giving this much grace to people? Like, but you know, this is, we've been dealing with this forever. And so there's this, you know, all of these things. But again, in the midst of the hardness, I found myself also convicted because like I said, there are, this was just a situation that it's like, well, wait, I've been in before too. And so, yeah, it's just me saying that even in the hardness, I appreciated the, all of this background you know, introspection that you did that I'm not, you know, as a reader, was not privy to, but it helped me to do the same. Um, because uh, I, was, I was talking to a woman before, like, in Christ, I am not a victim, you know, like, he, he has made me a new person. And so whoever any offense is against, um, realizing that, oh, let me not operate from a mindset of um, victim, or, or even a mindset of um, oppressor or, you know, all these other labels, but let me operate from, you know, someone that is redeemed, you know, how do I, how do I move forward in that? Um, but the realistic um, just piece of, like you said, like, oh, you've had to learn, I've had to learn. We have blind spots, you know? And so it's like, man, how dare I be upset with someone else when, you know, by the grace of God, I'm sure, you know, just like myself, you've had people along the way that have been gracious um, with my blind spots. So yeah, so I also, because your context is Canada, what, what is that, yeah, what does that look like in regard to, because um, I can speculate all day or go from, you know, well, this person said or that person said, but being that's where you grew up, what, yeah, what does racial interaction just amongst all, you know, whether white, black, Chinese, so on and so forth, is it very different from the U.S.? Because you've lived in the U.S. and so you've seen pieces of it. I think I will say I am, this is definitely an area of growth for me for understanding what it looks like now here in Canada for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Because I really, I think I lived with really rose-colored glasses until I lived in America. And it wasn't until maybe 27, 2018. So like really recently when I, when I think something clicked I was like, oh, I think it's different. And I think I wasn't really listening to my black and brown friends in America. So now that I'm back here in Canada, I think I'm now in a position of like, okay, well, what's our history? I think I'm more familiar with American history, uh, which is kind of funny. But what 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 does it look like for black people here? What does it look for like and and I think I mentioned it also, we don't, I had my first, like, I made my first Mexican friend when I lived in Kentucky. So I really just didn't have a lot of brown. I didn't have any brown in terms of like American, so Latin American uh, friends. But here we have, when we use brown, we were referring to, I think it's like Central Asia, West Asia, South Asia. So the area that I grew up in was very predominantly brown, brown and Asian, I guess, like East Asian. And 
I'm really trying to learn about what that all looks like now because I it wasn't in my I think it so when I moved to America I was like what there's racism still like how how is that a thing like a it's like 2020 as you kind of said you're like how do you not know like it's 2020 um but also I think because I prodded myself so much of being from Toronto which is the most ethnically diverse city in the entire world and we're a major city we're like the fourth largest city in North America so I think coming from the city I was like we're so past that there is no racism yeah there's like you may see prejudice stuff I feel it all the time but but in terms of what I like the narrative that I heard when I moved to America that there was like it's a really big issue still and all these things I was like I don't get it so that took some time for me to understand and so now coming back to Canada I'm like all right I think I definitely had rose-colored glasses and I need to learn about what it looks like here because I'm not really aware yeah no that's um yeah I think it's it's it seems like it's just this weird um yeah like I don't know you say 2020 but I I kind of feel like America my assumption maybe it's not all true like to the world would be like well, yeah, that's that's the hot button racist place, and then <laughs> everywhere else, you know. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure, and and then I'm sure it was a whole situation too, dropping down in Kentucky, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I lived there too, but it was just like Kentucky of all <laughs> all of the states in the U.S. Um, is an interesting one, I'm sure. But yeah, I think I think too. Sometimes that's what it takes. It takes our experiences in life, like maturity is not just like oh well I grew up and read some books but like no literally our experiences that bring us to being aware of things that we weren't before even for myself and and the cool thing is that just further um amplifies the beauty of having friend groups and kind of knocking aside the sameness a little bit you know, because it's like there are things that I've learned from you that I wouldn't know. You know, there's things that I've learned from my, um, you know, Latin friends that I wouldn't know. And it, without being able to be in close friendship. And so, yeah. Uh, so the last excerpt that I have is, in reality, I have yet to rebuke a church auntie or uncle with such candor, but as Christians who desire to be sanctified, to be more like our Lord and Savior, we must make strides towards being people who hate and fight against any evil thought or act of racial prejudice and discrimination. Helping our peers and elders identify their blind spots is not disrespectful, but a loving and pleasing, but loving and pleasing um, act uh, to the Lord. And so... Yeah, I think this may, I don't have the blog in front of me. I think this may be like one of the last paragraphs. And so, yeah, it was just a beautiful wrap up. The fact that like this is not disrespectful because I feel like that can easily too deter us. Like, oh, that person's older. I'm not going to, you know, like I probably wouldn't be so rash to jump on my grandma for saying something, you know. Um, but the, the reality of like this is not disrespectful. It's, it's a loving act. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have you elaborate on that. Yeah, I think I definitely, I meant I was, I was genuinely queasy because I think I wrote that I was squeamish, but I was like, as I was writing, I was like, I don't want to write something just to have a section in the piece where I have an application. Like I really wanted it to be something that I thought I would actually 
want to not want to do but I thought would be helpful for me to consider doing and then in terms and also telling other people to do but I was like I was so stuck on it I was like how do you tell someone like how do you tell someone who's older than you no like that's wrong so I really struggled with it but I think the 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 flip switched when I realized or the Lord helped me realize that it wasn't it wasn't me just just being disrespectful because I think being disrespectful is wrong, but it's not being disrespectful. You're you're helping this fellow Christian, regardless of someone's age, like it's a fellow believer. You're helping them see their blind spots. You're helping them, hopefully, uh, change to be more like Christ in their their thinking. So I think when I realized that it made it easier for me to be like, okay, I guess if it comes up, this is what I could say, even though, again, I haven't done it yet. I'll let you know how it goes if it ever happens. But that, I think that attitude, that perspective was helpful in helping me realize, oh no, you're, you're not going to be, like, even if she takes it herself, like, even if she, if the auntie thought, well, it's like really rude of you to say, but in my mind, I'm like, no, that's not my intention. I want you to be more like Jesus. I want you to have a more holistic biblical view of of what the image of God looks like, of what the church is. So that's that was my thinking. Yeah, no, I really appreciated the um the honesty of like I haven't done this yet, but you know, as I think through and consider. Um so I guess kind of like as a wrap up question, um you had mentioned earlier that some of your conversation had maybe left you kind of like, all right, now that we see this and it's appreciated. What do we do? Yeah. Like, what does this look like moving forward for you? Um, I think, I think it means continue to pursue hard conversations. And it's honestly, Astrid, I think you have really set an example for me in doing that because you are, I'm always like, is this okay? Can I ask you this? And you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm a safe space. So uh, I think knowing that we have to talk through things and help people understand things look so that i like so that i can learn and hopefully in conversations i can at least just talk about it because maybe people aren't aware and it it is a lot easier within peers because whether they i think it, especially because it's been such a big thing in 2020 it is easy to bring up because it's a, it's a hot topic, um, and and not letting, but but not letting ourselves get tired of the conversation either. Because yeah, because people are dying like all the time, and so you're like, well, it, are we gonna talk about it again, or is it just gonna be another name to add to a list? And you're like, no, let's talk about this. So I think. I think the peers that I'm around, whether or not they understand or not, I think that we're open to discussion. So that's been good. Uh, but in terms of talking to people who are older than me, I, again, it's like, I don't know how I could bring it up. Maybe, honestly, so my, my sister just married um, a guy who's black. So maybe even if I, if I really wanted to make conversation, I'd be like, well, what, what does it look like for, like, how do you feel about Steph marrying a guy who's black or or something like that maybe that could be a way in because yeah because we're all talking about her marriage so that could be a thing I guess 
and her recently getting married. Congrats again. I'm just so excited for her. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember, but we had had the conversation of like, yeah, this is exhausting. It's an exhausting conversation, but there are certain people that it is more exhausting than others because I feel the disconnect of like, I'm going through the motions. And so I think because you have listened to me, it allows me to listen to you and allows it to be a conversation and not a dictation. Um, and so, yeah, it's easy to just, again, it's easy to throw away. Um, but then we miss out on the, the friendships, the conversations like what we have um, that lead to deeper understanding. I learned so much from this article and was so, so excited and thankful um, when I read through it and saw that you wrote it and gave me a perspective I wouldn't be able to see, you know, if I wasn't connected to you and willing to read it and even in the hard parts, know your heart, you know, and know that this is something that you uh, think about and, and take take time and care to think about it. You know, it's not just like a, a passing thought. And so, I, yeah, I I thank you for sitting down and kind of having this conversation with me here. I am appreciative of that. Um, so, yeah, I want to give you a chance to plug your um, blog. I know that it's, it's not just yours, uh, but we can see your writings on there. You're an amazing writer. So I'm going to give you a chance to plug that. Yeah, thank you so much again, Astrid. You can, if you're interested, you can go to elliandsam.com and you can find more pieces written by my friend Ellie and I. And it's specifically from a Canadian, Christian, second generation Chinese perspective. And so we're trying to address things from that worldview. I can attest to the fact that even though I am none of those things beyond Christian, <laughs> um, I enjoy the posts, and it is not just this one I have read. Um, I also really love the one about um, what the it was. What is it called with the guys? Friends. Yes. Seven godly brothers. Seven godly brothers. And did you write one about? Um, maybe that was in there where you're kind of talking about like you know a little bit about relationship, because we've had amazing conversations about relationship too. <laughs> So, yes, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I, I love you dearly. And um, yeah, just super thankful for this. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit and listen. I do not take it lightly that you spend an hour of your day with me. So thank you so much. Every Wednesday, you can look for this podcast. A new episode will drop and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and of course, on the Anchor app. It is a app that can be downloaded for free. And if you go on there and search Here to Edify, you can listen to the podcast there. Again, thank you so much and hope to catch you listening next week. Bye.